And we're going to hold our focus there on the name of God. And we're going to hold it at the seat of the soul. And so when I began to talk to her about the spiritual eye, the seat of the soul, she knew that place both from her father's tradition of prayer and placing the name of God here at the forehead to remember the name of God and to hold that sacred. And she also knew it because she knew that Jesus had said, if thy eye be open, if thy eye be single and open, your body should be filled with light. And she was looking to find that place where that single eye resided. And she had come to the realization herself that that place where in her Jewish faith they talked about holding the name sacred was that place that is the single eye. So that's where she was holding her focus in her prayer. So as we talked about one-pointed focus and I began to talk to her about holding the name of God sacred, I gave her both the Anahu and the Hu. Anahu in Sanskrit and in Hebrew mean pretty much the same thing. Anihu in Hebrew and Ahu in Sanskrit means I am God. And it's the words that God spoke to Moses when Moses was talking to the burning bush. And Moses turned to the burning bush and said, And who is it I am to tell Pharaoh sent me? And God said, I am that I am. I am God. Tell them that's who sent you. I am. And I am is Ani, Hugh. I am God. So as we began to talk a little bit more, she said, don't talk anymore. I'm going to call you back in two hours. I'm going to go and I'm just going to do this right now. I don't want any more information. She called me back and she started crying. She didn't, she, I, I, I picked up the phone. I said, hello. And it was nothing. I went, hello. And I was about to hang up and I just heard somebody start sobbing. And I went, okay, well, I'll wait till you calm down, whoever you are, and, and, and then we'll talk. And after a while, she went, Jim? And I went, yeah. And then I realized it was her. And I went, are you okay? What's wrong? She says, oh, my God. I mean, oh, my God. She says, it's, it's true. It's real. It is real, isn't it? And I go, yes. She says, she said, I no more than said the name ten times. And I was out of the temple, out of her body. And she said, and I just started flying, flying across the sky. And there was Mary. And I started flying towards her. And inside, I began to feel my unworthiness come up that always has separated me from her. And I heard her talk to me. And she said, don't do that. Because I can't be with you if you do that. You are worthy. Be worthy and come to me. And she said she just flew right into her and went into a state of bliss. And when she came back, she said her body was so weak that it took her a while just to be able to compose herself and to get her strength back 
to be able to call. And so we talked about that for a little bit. And she said, I don't want to know anymore. I just want to do this for a while. She says, I want to get this down. I don't want to even know anything. Don't send me anything. Let me do this. And I'll call you when I'm ready for the next phase of this. But I will call you. And so that was my conversation with this little nun who's in her, I guess, her early 60s now. No, I guess late 50s, who just got back from Lourdes after being at Fatima and all of her experiences. And to hear this happening for her now is really a joy. So I wanted to share that a little bit with you because we're all on a journey. We're all looking for something. And the way we can know that we are on a true journey is by following the experience of the journey. Not following our thoughts, not following after other people's beliefs, but following our experience. But oftentimes, we don't trust our own experience. We don't honor our own experience. And when we do have experience, we immediately take them and put them outside and say, what do you think about this? And other people began to define our experience for us. And quite often, they will misdefine that experience and name it according to their beliefs, to their experience, to their tradition. And we will walk away probably more confused than aware. And if we're not careful, we'll just let that experience drop to the ground and not value it because it doesn't make sense now, or it wasn't what I thought it was. One thing I have found is keeping your experiences sacred, especially your experiences of prayer and meditation, and your dreams. Keep them sacred. Don't bring them out and show them to the world and ask the world to define them for you, but rather work with them yourself. Live with them, love them, honor them, and work with them. Write them down, read them over. See if you can begin to understand the meaning of the experience. Because in the experience is a very simple truth. But we have to get to that place of simplicity where we can glean the truth. And oftentimes, the experiences come forward in a symbolic manner, especially at first as we begin to walk this inner journey, this inner pathway of our prayers, of our meditations, and of our dreams. Years ago, when I was 18 years, ago, 18 years old, a teacher came to me on the inner levels and wanted me to write a book. Well, I haven't written this one yet. <laughs> Maybe one of these days. It was going to be called The Unspoken Language. And it's the language of spirit. There is an unspoken language in spirit, and it's the language of symbols. It is a language that has been passed from one generation to another. And it has been carried forward in so many different traditions, even to the point that if you walk through temples, if you walk through churches, if you walk through traditions, you find that there are a lot of symbols wherever you go. 
And those symbols mean something. They have power and they have meaning and they have depth. And they can lead one into experience as one begins to truly understand the power of the symbol and how to hold and go into that power. And so it is with our own prayer, with our own meditation, and with our own dreams. We begin to have experience. But oftentimes the experience comes in symbol form. It doesn't come as direct knowledge, direct experience, direct awareness. Well, why is that? Because the experience is coming from beyond the mind. The realm of the mind is not really that high in comparison to where the experience is coming from. We have the physical, the astral, the causal, the mental, the etheric, soul, and spirit, or anahu, I am God. From this region down, we perceive through our mind, through our emotion, and through our imagination. And so anything from this level down, we can understand through the mind or the emotions or the imagination very easily. We can take in information. We can take in the experience at those levels and interpret it, understand it, and then put it back into action in some form. But once we as spiritual beings go beyond the mind and into the etheric, which is the void, and into the realms of soul and spirit, we have risen above the realm of mind. And the mind has no concept of those realms. The mind can travel and have experience in the realm of mind, in the realm of emotion or the causal, in the realm of imagination or astral, and the physical. But it can't go above itself. And so when the soul finally frees itself from those lower realms and dimensions and travels higher than the mind, and we have experience there, and then we come back, the mind goes, but, but I don't understand this. It doesn't make sense. And so it immediately takes all the information, all the experience, all the energy of that, and begins to try to make sense of it. Well, the soul is a very wise being. It's pure love and it's pure wisdom. And so it shares with the mind the experience in symbolic form. And it's in those symbols then that the mind is given a truth and an understanding. But because it's in symbol and because the mind hasn't learned to speak the language of spirit, the language of symbols, it doesn't understand and it looks at it and it goes, but what does it mean? What does this dream mean? What did that experience mean? And so it's for us to begin to break down our own language of symbols, to begin to interpret, to begin to understand, to begin to define it in such a way that we can take those definitions, translate this language of symbols into meaning at the mind level and on down to the physical consciousness and begin to use those experiences for our own upliftment, for our own growth, for our own awakening in spirit. And so what I have found early on 
was writing down all my experiences, all my dreams, all my meditation and prayer experiences, just writing them down. I would write down everything. And I would begin to then look and see what those symbols were and what did they really mean. I would begin to look for definition, for understanding. But I learned something very early on, and that was not to go outside of myself for interpretation, not to go to people around me, my mom, my dad, my brother, oh my God, don't go to him. <laughs> what he did with symbols was unbelievable. Not to go to teachers, not to go to ministers, because they would give their own interpretation. They would have their own understanding of symbols from their own experience that isn't going to relate necessarily to how my soul is talking to me. And I found, for the most part, people were interpreting from their emotional mind, from their emotional nature. It was amazing to listen to people as they would share what they thought these symbols meant. And I remember the lesson that I learned very quickly was I had a dream. And in this dream, I was shown something about myself. But I didn't understand what it was telling me about myself. So I went out and I talked to my dad. And he gave me his interpretation. I talked to a teacher at school. And I talked to a minister at a church. And I showed them the dream. And each one gave me a different interpretation. Well, I took the one that I felt was most meaningful or felt most comfortable to me, that I could believe or I could relate to or understand. And I took it as my truth. And I began to live their interpretation of my dream and of me in that dream and what it was telling me. And I began to live it. And all of a sudden, I was living this definition of me that wasn't true. And... As I lived it, I went into deeper pain and separation from myself. And I began to find myself shutting down to my inner experience. I would go into my prayers every day, but nothing would happen. Well, that was unusual. My prayers were very full and very powerful and very meaningful. And oftentimes, teachers would be coming in from other levels of consciousness to share with me, to teach me, to show me something, to take me somewhere to have experience. But not now. Everything was dark. Everything was blank. Nothing was happening. And I found myself going into depression and into anger. And I was angry at God. I was going, what's going on? Why are you pulling back? Where did you go? Why aren't you here? You know, I'm calling out to you. I'm doing my, my part. Come on, where are you? And God wasn't there as far as I could tell. Then, as I was praying one day, I saw a symbol rise up from my dream come present in my prayer. And it just lingered there. And it had to do with a shower head and water. And as I looked at it, I became aware of that dream 
that this minister, my teacher, and my father had interpreted for me. And I looked at it and I realized that I was living something that wasn't mine. And I went back and I found the dream that I had written down in my dream journal. And I looked at it and I read it again. And I had written underneath it the interpretation that I liked the best of the three that I had gotten. And I scratched through it. I just scratched through it. And I says, that's not true. That's not me. I'm not going to live that anymore. And I began to ask in my prayer, show me what they mean. I don't want other people telling me anymore. This is too hard. This is too painful. I can't do this. You've got to do it for me. You've got to tell me what these are. And immediately, immediately that night in a dream state, a teacher came to me and showed me how to begin to speak the language of symbols. And it was very simple, but it was work. Now, that's part of the journey here. It's doing something every day and doing it with awareness and doing it because you want the experience, you want the knowledge, you want the wisdom, you want fulfillment, you want the peace. And I found that for me, saying my prayers every day Paying attention to my dreams and writing those down every day. Writing in the evening my experience of the day in my own daily journal was more important than going out and playing baseball or watching a TV show or getting up and having breakfast. I wanted to write down my dreams before I had my breakfast. I wanted to say my prayers after school rather than go play baseball because God was more important to me. And I had to sacrifice certain things in order to have what I truly wanted. And that's the path of spirit. That's the path of experience. We have to realize that there are always things in life that we have to place before others. There's a value system. Well, this is number one, this is number two, this is number three. This is the most important. Then it'll be this, then it'll be this. Well, God in my prayer was first. Dreams and the understanding of my dreams was second. And writing down in my journal my daily experience of what did I learn? What did I experience today? What did I hear? What did I see? What did I come into an understanding of? Was more important than being with kids my own age and climbing a tree or playing baseball or having breakfast. I wanted that first. I wanted God first. I wanted peace first. I don't know why. I mean, why at the age of 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, and so on, was that my motivation? It was just because that was the driving force in my soul. And in each of us, our soul is motivating us, driving us, calling us. We hear it in our own way, in our own time. It's up to us to begin to listen and to choose back, to call back, 
to do what it takes to begin to wake up into the knowing of who we are as divine. When you were born, you didn't even know who you were or where you were or what you were. All you knew is you had a physical body and sometimes it needed the diapers changed and other times you needed food. And sometimes you wanted both. And all you had to do was cry out and somebody was there, whoever this is, and they took care of it. I didn't even have to be concerned. They could figure it out and they would take care of it. And then as you grew up, you began to understand more about your emotional nature. And you began to find how to get things in your life by expressing yourself emotionally. And eventually then you went to school and began the training of the mind, the awakening of the mind. But there's something far beyond the mind that you are that you really are, and that is spirit, that is soul, that is divine. And that is what is longing to become present in your daily life. That is what is longing to wake up into your consciousness and into your awareness. And one way to begin to have that awakening take place is to do meditation, to pay attention to your dreams, to pay attention to your daily experience in life. What are you experiencing? What are you hearing? What are you learning? What are you doing? How are you acting? And how are you reacting to life? And how can you be doing it differently that your life might be more smooth and easy and simple? And the key to all of that is paying attention to the symbols in your life. Pay attention to your dreams. Now, the way I did it when I was a child was something very simple. And this is how an inner teacher taught me to do it. And so in my notebook, I, I had a spiral notebook. And on the back of each page was my definitions of symbols. And on this page, I wrote my dreams. But I didn't write my dream on every line. I wrote it on every other line. And that way then I could come back on these other lines in a different colored ink and write down what I thought the dream was about. I could give it my interpretation if I felt I knew what it was. And over here, I would write down, I would just take out key words that I saw that I knew were symbols or that I thought were symbols and I would write them over here. And then I would write here, if I thought I knew what the symbol meant, I would write my definition of it. And if I didn't, I would leave a blank and wait to see for the definition to come present in my consciousness. And so that's how I began to keep a dream journal and work my dreams and learn to define the symbol symbology, the language of spirit. And slowly but surely, I had a Gordon Dictionary of the spiritual language, of symbology, my language. Now, if you were to go through there and see my symbols and see my definitions, you'd go, no, no, that doesn't mean that. What that means is this. Well, that's for you. 
you've got to find your own definitions of the language of symbols for you. It's going to be different. A very good example of that is this. When I was 26 years old, I went down to Mexico City to give a talk. Actually, it was in the Stop and This woman had developed a huge spiritual center in Ixtapan. And she had people come from all over Mexico and Central America three times a year for a conference that she gave on her property. She had this beautiful property, 22 acres in the mountains of Ixtapan. And on that property, she had this gigantic pyramid built. And it would hold 300 people inside. And she would hold a, a, a conference there three times a year. And so I would go down and I would give talks. And they always had somebody translating for me because I do fairly well in English, but terrible in Spanish. <laughs> and I was talking about the language of spirits, understanding symbology. And I began to share a little bit. And somebody raised their hand and says, well, give us an idea of what you mean by symbols. What are symbols? And I said, well, for instance, in a dream, you might dream about a policeman coming. And this policeman comes to you and begins to share something with you. And oftentimes, when a policeman comes, it means protection. Or it could be about an angel coming and the form of protection that looks like to you a policeman as a symbol showing you protection. And the person raised their hand and says, wait a minute, this is Mexico. <laughs> Policemen are not protection. They are bribery. <laughs> they are dangerous. They'll put you in jail for nothing. And I said, see, that's a good example. What my symbol of a policeman is is something different than your symbol. So there's a very good example. So you wouldn't want to take my interpretation and try to apply it to your life because it may not work. That dream may be warning you about something rather than sharing about protection with you. And so as we went on, then people began to really understand that it was very important for them to get their own symbol interpretation and not take it from another. And that was a very good beginning point for them to see it in that light. So I would just invite you, one, to begin to look at your own personal experience. What is your experience that you would call spiritual? Now, when I say spiritual, people go, well, I don't have spiritual experiences. But I would dare say that you do. You may just not call it spiritual. If in your life you have ever looked into the eyes of a child or picked up or played with a puppy or a cat, a kitten, if you've ever walked into a garden and felt peace, if you've ever picked up toys and delivered them to a child at Christmas or at a birthday and seen the joy in their eyes and feel something stir inside of you, that's a spiritual experience. That's a loving that's a peace stirring inside of you. Each of us have had something that helps us to know that there's something beyond the world, beyond our own worldly experience. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here tonight. 
There's something that has stirred you. Something that is calling you. You may not know what it is. You may not know where the call is coming from. It may feel like an emptiness. It may feel like a void inside that you're ever trying to fill up. It may feel like a longing, like I, I've got to, I need something in my life. I've got to find something. I haven't found it yet. Where am I going to find it? And it may be that you've had an experience, maybe in a dream state, maybe in an out-of-body experience, maybe in a prayer or a meditation, or maybe just in a loving conversation, or maybe you've been present when somebody died. And in that moment when they left, they were no longer in their physical body, and you sensed a peace there, you sensed something there, or all of a sudden you felt that they were gone, and there's something inside of you going, I need to know what that is. What happened? What was that? And I share that because I was with a gentleman who died, and when he died, when he left his physical body, I actually saw his soul go up, stand up, and wave, and leave. And just as he left, in comes the nurse. Because the monitor, I guess where she was at her desk, showed something that was wrong, something that happened. She came in, she took his pulse, she listened to his heart, and then she came over and she said that he had left, he had passed. And she looked at me, and she started to say something, and then she left the room. And then she came back in and she said, what have you been doing in here? And I go, what? <laughs> well, I knew what I was doing in there, but I didn't know if anybody else knew something was happening in there. I was there ever reminding him to chant the name of God, to keep saying the name of God inside of himself so he stay focused on spirit, stay focused on God. So that when he did leave, he would leave the physical realms of life and go into the spiritual realms and truly anchor himself in spirit and not have to reincarnate back here again. And that he could continue his journey on back into the heart of God. So I knew what I was doing. And he knew what he was doing because he was practicing chanting the name of God over and over every day and moving into that peace, moving into that divine bliss. And he knew what that was. So I knew that we had been doing something in that room. But for a nurse to all of a sudden come back in and go, what have you been doing in here? Was a little bit of a mind blower. And I looked at her and I said, well, what do you mean? She said, this room is so peaceful. This room has a sense in it that I don't understand, but I want more of it. What is it you've been doing in here? And then the doctor came in, and so we didn't get a chance to talk. And so she had to go and do her, 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 her stuff with the doctor with this man's body, and, and then they left to sign the death certificate and all that. And a few minutes later, two more nurses came in and just stood there and looked at him, and then they left. I'm kind of going, what's going on here? <laughs> so I went out in the hall, and one of the nurses called me over and she said, could we talk to you for a minute? And then all of a sudden, here's these three nurses and the doctor. And they said, we want to know what happened in there. And I said, what do you mean, what happened? 
what do you what did what do you think happened? And they said, He's not there. He's really not there. He's gone. And just a few minutes ago, he was there. We know it. And we've never experienced anybody just really go like that, just to be gone. And to have a room be so peaceful in that. What happened? What were you doing in there? And so I began to share a little bit about meditation and about the name of God. Well, the doctor looked at me and went, okay, thank you. <laughs> and he left. But the nurses stayed and they wanted to know more. And so it was a lot of fun to witness people experiencing the movement of spirit a soul leaving the physical body and going on and having them really witness a body empty and to really be able to speak about it, ask questions about it, wanting to know more about that. And so in you there's also an experience of some kind that is motivating you to search. You're reading books, you're listening to tapes, you're going to lectures, you're doing workshops, retreats, you're doing personal growth seminars, whatever it is, there's something inside of you that is taking you to those places, that is making you search, that is longing for something. Sit down and ask that which is inside of you that is motivating you to do all that, what am I looking for? Where do I go to find it? And allow it then to share with you, to talk with you, your soul will share with you if you allow it, if you give it the peace, the place, the time, the opportunity. But oftentimes, we sit down and our mind just keeps going. Oh, and by the way, and, and then there's this, and you know, what do you mean by this? And why is this going on? And you know, I don't understand why she does that to me. And I wish that this person wouldn't, and my boss, oh my God, my boss, you know, I don't know what you're going to do with them. I don't know what to do with them, you know, and the mind just keeps going. Be still and know that I am. Be still. Find that place in your meditation, in your prayer, in your day, somewhere. Whether it's a minute, an hour, or however long it is, find that place where you can be still and know that I am God. Know that God is in you. Know that God in you that divine soul in you. The divine spark that dwells here that is that part of you that is soul is the essence of God. It's God in you. God dwells here in your consciousness. And it's for us to wake up and to know the God, the divine in us. It's very interesting. I remember when I was growing up and we were at school and we were talking in, about the, the different parts of the body, the eyes, the ears, the nose, and our teacher said, and these points right here are called the temple. These are your temples. And I went, oh my God, I know that. That's where I go every day. It's, I go to my temple. And I raised my hand and I said, oh, that's where you go. That's where God lives, isn't it? She goes, no. No, honey, that's where your jaw, <laughs> and that's called your temple. 
And I went, no, no, that's the temple. That's where, that's, that's, and she just couldn't get it, you know. <laughs> but I knew what it really meant. This is where the doorway, this is the doorway back into the divine, into the knowing. It's a journey upward and back into that seat of the soul. Now, the journey is one where we first must rise above all these elements of the physical nature. We have to let go of the physical, release the imagination, bring quiet to the emotions, rise above the mind because the mind will not become quiet. <laughs> if you find a way to get the mind quiet, please come and talk to me because I want to know how to do that. <laughs> I can get above my mind and I can look down at my mind and my mind's still going blah, 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 blah. But now I can get above it and leave the mind alone. And what's, what's interesting is, if you rise above the mind as the spirit, as the soul that you are, if you rise above the mind and the mind will be aware that you've risen above it, all of a sudden it'll, it'll stop talking around about all this stuff down here. It'll go, what? Where were you going? Well, well can I go? Uh, well, can you bring something back? <laughs> and all of a sudden it wants to know more about where you're going and what that is and what's out there beyond it. And it begins to support you in the journey because now it wants to know more and it wants to have experience that you're having. It wants you to bring back that experience to it and share it so that the mind has the knowing of the experience. And so in this journey, it begins very simply. It's holding your consciousness here at the seat of the soul. And what are you doing when you're doing that? You're allowing the soul to come back into itself fully. This is the seat of the soul. But the soul gets dispersed in consciousness. It gets dispersed. It first attaches itself to the mind, and then the mind disperses the soul's consciousness through the sensual nature into the physical body. So now it's for us to begin to call the soul back into itself, to begin to let go of the physical body, to begin to let go of the sensual nature, to begin to untie itself from the mind, and to sit fully in itself at the seat of the soul, at the spiritual eye. So that's the first part of the journey. Then the second part of the journey is for the soul to turn upward and to look out into the outer kingdom. It's now walked the inner kingdom, and now it's going to walk the outer kingdom back to the heart of God. And that's when we leave the temple, as my friends so-called it. We leave the temple. I just realized what she's talking about. <laughs> and maybe that's where she got it from. I'm going to have to call her and ask her, why does she do call it that? And we leave the body and we begin another journey. And that divine spark then begins a journey back home to the soul realm and back to the soul where we merge into the fullness of our own divinity. And then, in the fullness of our own divinity, we as a divine being then turn up and look to the very heart of God and we begin our journey back home from which we came. For we came out of the heart of God and we shall return there once again.
And we are just on this great journey of experience. And so I ask you to do one thing if you do nothing more. Begin to keep a journal of experience. Whether it's dream experience, meditation experience, life experience, write down daily an experience. Just one experience that you have during the day. Write it down. The moment you begin to do that, you begin to open doors inside of you. You give permission for yourself to have more experience and more experience. The more you write down your dreams, the more dreams you're going to have. The more you write down about your prayer, your meditation, the more experience in prayer and meditation you're going to have. The more you write down about your daily experiences and what you have gained from them, the more experience and awareness of experience you're going to have. It works just that simply. But, you know, I don't have any dreams. Make it up. Make up a dream. Wake up in the morning and go, well, what dream did I want to have last night? And write it down. It begins the process. You open the door. You give yourself permission to begin remembering. And all of a sudden, your consciousness goes, oh, he wants to remember his dreams. Let's start remembering. Oh, she wants to remember her experiences. Let's start remembering. You know, there's a saying that the universe abhors vacuums. So it's ever trying to fill the vacuum. Well, if you create a vacuum in your consciousness called making up a dream, making up a meditation or prayer experience, making up a daily experience, your consciousness goes, oh, well, that's not real. Let's give him something real. We can't just have that emptiness there. That's not real. Give him something real. And it begins to give you reality, truth, a real experience. And that's what the path of spirit is about, experience. It's not about knowledge. It's not about what other people have told you. It's not about daily outer ritual practice. It's about experience. So look to see and find those experiences in your life and you'll begin to see the spirit inside of you coming more alive, more awake. I remember when I was 18 years old and I was across the desk from Father Blackburn at the seminary. And I had just graduated from high school and I had spent several months going in every weekend to the seminary in preparation to go there to become a priest. And I was all gung-ho. I was ready. I was enjoying it. I loved being there. And I knew this is what I wanted. And as we were sitting there, Father Blackburn asked me some questions. And he said, well, what are your spiritual experiences? Well, I had a lot of them. So I thought, gosh, if he really wants to know, I'll tell him. So I began to share with him about the teachers that come at night and teach me. And I go out and I go to these different universities and schools and have these experiences. And I'm learning these things. And, and, and he goes, wait, 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 wait. He said, I, I believe you. I, I believe that these are very true and very profound. But you cannot be a priest and go out in the world and talk about these things. 
because that's not what the church professes and teaches and shares. The church has dogma. The church teaches dogma. The church lives by dogma. We have rules and ways by which to live in that dogma. Can you go out and be in a church and be in a pulpit and teach the dogma and still have these other experiences and not share them and not talk about them with anybody else? And I knew immediately, and I said, no. I mean, this is what I want to be a priest about, to talk to people, to share with them about this. And he goes, you can't. He said, there are monks and nuns cloistered today that cannot come out of their residences because they do have these experiences and they are not allowed to talk about them. And you will not be allowed to talk about them or you will either be cloistered away or you will be kicked out of the priesthood and maybe even out of the Catholic Church because you are not practicing Catholicism the way the church wishes you to do it. And I looked at him and I said, what do I do then? He says, I don't know, but you can't be a priest if you're going to do what you say you're going to do. And I got up and I walked out of that office and all of a sudden my life was void. It was empty. There was like, well, what am I going to do? You know, I always wanted to be a minister since I was five years old. I always said when somebody said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to be a minister. Well, I am in a sense. I'm ministering to people. I'm serving the Spirit. I'm ministering in this way. But I'm not, quote, a church minister. I'm not a minister in that sense. I'm not a priest. But it took a long time from the age of 18 to the time when I began to really do this service in, in a real way for me to realize that. But all the time from the age of 18 when I left his door and left the Oblate Seminary in San Antonio and walked back home that day, up until now, I have been ministering. And each of us are ministers in our own way. We may not know it, but we go out every day and we demonstrate something to others. We demonstrate our joy or our judgment, our fear or our peace, our loving or our hatred. We're ever ministering. And yet we aren't aware of just how we are ministering to others. Follow your experience. Pay attention to your experience and you'll learn who you truly are. And you'll learn what it is you really want in your life and how to get there. There's no one way. There's your way. But ultimately, you're going to find that your way and my way and everybody else's way is the same. It's following the loving. It's following the joy. It's following the peace. And it's connecting back inside where that resides inside of us. How you do that, how you get there, that's your journey. Follow the experience and you'll discover that path of your journey. And it'll take you to a lot of different places. But ultimately, it'll always take you back to that place you're longing to be. You're longing for something. Something is calling you. What is it? 
It's God. It's the divine in you. God wants to go home. But we have gotten trapped here in the mind and in the physical. And it's up to us to begin to detach from this world. To let go and not make it so interesting. Not make it so important. Not putting it first. What did we first hear from Moses? Have no other gods before me. Well, well can, I, can I put chocolate cake before you? I mean, is that all right? What, what about ice cream? Is ice cream okay? I mean, uh, can, can we just have ice cream between us, Lord? I mean, is that all right? No, that can be a God too. We worship many things. Right now I'm worshiping flour tortillas a lot. <laughs> so I always have to make sure that when I eat a flour tortilla that God's first before the flour tortilla so pay attention where is God in your life is God out here in someone or something or where is God in you and where is God in your life and how do you put God first put God first and all things will come in its own order. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and all else shall be given. Wisdom comes from going into the loving of knowing God first. Wisdom isn't found in books. Wisdom is found in experience. You can take knowledge and enter it into experience and knowledge can become wisdom. The divine wisdom comes out of taking your experience and taking it before God and letting God infuse it with loving and empowering you in that loving so that you live in the divine wisdom that you truly are, that which is your soul. Your soul is divine wisdom, divine love, divine joy, divine peace. As I've always said, one day you'll wake up and you will know that you are the living, loving essence of the Lord. That's who you are. And one day in that awakening, you will wake up as the divine, living, loving essence of the Lord. And you will know that you've never left the heart of God. You never left. You're there right now. I'm just here to remind you who you are, divine, living, loving essence. And where are you right now? You're in the heart of God. And I'm here to just say, wake up and know that. Wake up. Pay attention to your experience. Pay attention to who you truly are. And live that truth. And let go of the illusion. Let go of your attachments. Let go of your needs. And just be the simplicity that is loving that you are. So it was a little longer than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> it's interesting when I share, it really is the Holy Spirit that comes present. And then I just share out of the collective consciousness. And so in my sharings, it's going to touch certain ones in the group more than others. And you may find that there was a part of the, of the talk that related to you, and then all of a sudden the energy sort of shifted, and it was like, well, what is he talking about that for? 
and it was for someone else. And for others, it may be that the whole talk was aimed at you, it seems. Well, it was. It was aimed at the One, the Divine One, the Soul that we are all a part of. At the soul level, we are one. When I was a child in the University of Melchizedek on the inner levels, I was taught something. And I'll give this very quickly here. We see ourselves as physical bodies. They taught me to see us as spirit. In the realm of spirit, we are one. There is no separation. But in the realm of the unconscious, the mind, the emotion, the imagination, and the physical body, we enter into separation. And we down here believe the separation. I'm here to remind you to let go of the separation and to wake up into the knowing of the one that we are. And that's where I talk from when I talk. I let go of the separation. That's why he asked us to share our name so that we go into the oneness for that moment. And then I look into the oneness and I just hold that oneness. You can go back into your separation, but now the oneness is present. And that's where I share from. Remember that and hold that oneness in your daily life and stop living in separation and you'll find your life will be a very different life. A very different experience. And what I share is rather childlike and simple because that's where I learned it. As a child, going to the University of Melchizedek, going to these different schools on the different levels, and learning these things, I learned it simply. I learned it as a child. And I talked to the child that is the divine in you. That child that is God. We have to become as children to enter into the kingdom of heaven. I'm here to help you to touch back into the child that is the living child of God in you. And I just ask you as I close tonight that if you pray, as you end your prayer, just say, And Lord, I as your living, loving child, open to receive your blessings. And as I've shared with you and as I've asked with you, I open to receive whatever you wish to give your child this day. And God will give his child everything. He will not deny you anything. So ask as a child and then receive as a child. And every day is Christmas. Every day there are gifts under the tree waiting. So thank you all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>